Good evening, everybody. We are here with our Q&A session 149, the last for this year. We come back with 150, it will be 2023. So once again, we want to thank God first for different ways He opens doors for us to magnify Him, glorify Him, and minister to His people and to all the dear ones who keep sending questions. Even today, we got so many questions from around the world. We thank every one of you. You send a question, but you answer so many people, their doubts, their unspoken queries. So we just thank God, and we just thank God's people. This evening, before we start once again, Christmas Eve, and we shall pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just want to thank you, Lord, for this place. Yes, Lord. Thank you. So many years, Lord. We've been here, standing here, ministering, gathering. We just want to thank you, Father, for the place, for the call, for the strength, for the anointing, for everything, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. We come at this time and all your people. Yes, Lord, at the end of the day, you are the only one we have who is with us 24-7. Yes, Lord. And we just want to thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Anoint us this evening. Anoint all of us. Protect your children, Lord. So many in difficult situations. Protect them. Empower them. Meet them at their point of need. And now, Lord, speak through us, O Lord. We commit everyone into their hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, we'll start with question number three from a teenager. <coughs> okay. Uh, it's, uh, it says, my 15-year-old asked me what type of a person is God. If he is the father of the universe, the creator, then we are supposed to be like him. Why are we not like him and why do we have such faulty characteristics due to sin? But then he came to set us free from sin. Then why do we still sin? It is our strong character. Sometimes she does not understand God and His ways. Could you explain this in the Q&A today? Okay, this is a 15-year-old young Muslim convert from the Middle East. Okay, they are all new converts, new meaning just a year or two. And uh, it's a nice question, right? It's interesting these kids ask these questions mm. that they are immediately on to the reality of sanctification. <laughs> yes. And we struggle with sanctification. We don't want to hear about it. We want salvation and glorification. <laughs> and here are little ones battling with uh, sanctification. But uh, if we go to, I'll, I'll try to explain it as simply as we can. We go to Psalm 51 and verse 5. Okay, Psalm 51 and verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, this is not faulting your mother. It's saying you were born with iniquity, a sin nature. A nature which your propensity is to sin. Let's put it simply for a child. To do wrong and not to do right. That's our basic nature after the fall. 
because God made Adam in his likeness, but Adam brought forth his children after the fall. All his children were born after the fall in his own likeness, the fallen nature of man. So that's how we were all born. That is why God cannot... Uh, transformation, changing, nothing is going to work with the old man. That is why the only way God can get man into his kingdom is see he is born once again. That is called rebirth. That happens inside when the spirit of God comes. You turn to God in repentance, to Christ in faith. You are born again. A new person is born again. That person is made in the image of God. But mm. the old person is there. The same body there are two people inside the body, the old man and the new man. You are saved. But after that, sanctification begins. And sanctification is sanctification of your soul. See, we, our body is like like a fort with three apps. <laughs> okay, you have a body, but inside that you have a soul and you have a spirit. The spirit is the new born again person. You have now received life and light from men. But the soul that controlled your life all those years is that old nature. That soul has to be cleansed. That is the struggle you are facing. Mm. And in that soul is the is your will, is your mind, and are your feelings. Your feelings are there. The mind, that's what the Bible says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? The body, inside the body is the soul. So the first, wherever your body goes, your soul will go. Your soul will go. Your body can't be here and your soul somewhere else. Your, your soul actually takes, decides where your body is going. So the old soul, the fallen man, takes the body in the ways of unrighteousness and sometimes righteousness, depending on situation. Mm -hmm. But if the spirit were to be given control, it would only take the body in righteousness. Because the born-again spirit has been made in the righteousness of God. It will not go the other way. But the, the, the whole interim period is allowing the soul to hear from the spirit and changing the soul. This is the process. And the thing is that, the spirit can receive only one thing that is on earth. That is the word of God. That is the food for the spirit. That's why Jesus is telling them, my words are spirit and life. The spirit can only receive the word of God. It doesn't receive anything else. Meaning the spirit is God tuned. Conscious. God uh, conscious. conscious. It is tuned to God. It can only receive uh, from God, the word of God. And the word of God is the only thing that we have that is of God with us. But if you starve your spirit, you will not change. You will not change. Mm. You will not change. And God uses, if you go to Matthew 4 and verse 4, we looked at it yesterday. He uses this uh, illustration Okay, so that we understand it easily. He answered. See, he answers the devil, but it's written in scripture, not for the devil, for our sake. Amen. Okay, for our sake. How it works. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So he puts an illustration over there and says, you know what? For the body, you need bread. He puts uh, what you call the food that we eat is called bread mm. over there. The body needs bread. The body needs food. If you starve your body, your body will grow weak and it will die. So the body's strength comes from the food it eats. Okay, 
in the same way the spirit strength comes from the word of god it takes mm. man shall not live by the bread alone because man is not like an animal of physicity nobody except for circus of people want to do it nobody tries to educate an animal the animal is only conscious about its body its soul does not have to be trained in anything yes it has natural instincts but it is a body conscious creature alone so you will see the the lion can eat and eat and eat and then sleep for days together or the polar bear for 6 months at a time okay but that's not how we are we are spirit conscious so once we are born again the bible says every word that proceeds from the mouth of god mm. and the, the the perfect example of this in illustration terms is what he did with the children of israel in the wilderness he gave them manna for 40 years he fed them on manna only one thing he told them eat only manna eat whichever way you want it <laughs> you want to boil it fry it you know whatever um, put it in the microwave whatever you want to do it eat it but he also told them eat only that days don't keep it for tomorrow yes keep it for tomorrow now we need to understand take cold climate away take refrigerators away imagine you are in a hot climate you can't take eat today's food tomorrow it goes bad it goes bad okay so what god is talking about is also here every word that proceeds from the mouth of god is basically saying we have to be sensitive to hear from god each day it's a written word it's a written word and there's a living word when he's saying here man has to live by rema what happens when man learns to live by rema his spirit gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and the mind gets renewed now the spirit is talking to the soul mm. and the mind is changing the will is a decision taking part yes. so now the soul and the mind are in and the spirit are in agreement but when you are born again and you are young in the lord that's not how the spirit and the soul are not in agreement the mind wants to go in another way the spirit says no but because the spirit is very weak the mind and the will and the emotions and the body go in one direction and then you come back you feel guilty you feel terrible where does all that come from it comes from the spirit hmm. yes. that's why the believers are the most un, what you call unhappy people on earth if they don't obey god hmm. okay and like david no where can i flee from you i am so miserable <laughs> why are you so miserable all the pagan kings did what you did nobody is miserable <laughs> 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 Nobody seems to be miserable. Why are you miserable? Because you're God conscious. God conscious. Okay, you're God conscious, so you will be miserable. So that is the way. So the thing is that as the spirit grows stronger, the if you look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, okay, in verse 2. There is <coughs> something offer your bodies, yes, and come to verse 2. do not be conformed to the world the world here means the pattern of thinking our world does things the world has its own ways of doing things and it is the thinking of the fallen man and the demons it's a demonic way of thinking the fallen man and the demonic and there will be righteousness the laws are all governed on on based on righteousness but the people who have to work it out are unrighteous you see you cannot write uh, write down an unrighteous law hmm 
okay unright the law has to be written on some basis of something has to be brought over there which is right or what what you say if it has to be codified into law you have to substantiate with facts and put it across as truth yes like when you are talking about lgbtq and all which has been legalized the whole idea they won't go to truth they go to science <laughs> they go to science that is why today science is truth it is not god's word is truth but you still have to bring something into support your argument yes. you cannot say this is the law because i think so it has to be so that is how the world system will have something we quite a bit of which is true but it is also warped so the bible says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that is the the, the the sanctification of the soul is primarily connected with the renewing of your mind if your mind is not renewed even though you are born again you will always remain and act like a child that's what paul says in corinthians when i grew i put away childish things lot of people who are in the lord act like a child because their thinking has not been changed according to the word of god their spirit man has never grown they still remain as a child and this is a 15 year old child and the 15 year old child is asking very serious questions because the child is suddenly conscious this is not the way i am supposed to be because why I, why can't i be like my heavenly father but you are on the right direction but it is a process it does not happen in one day but it happens so that is where it comes hearing and that is where god calls us we saw no he calls us to walk by faith he calls us to walk in love and then he calls us to walk in truth in truth i would put two things i would put light walk in light and i would put walk in wisdom these are all there walk in light walk in wisdom all that will be will put it under truth truth is a huge word because god is truth amen god is truth amen. okay so the bible will talk about different ways of walking how god walks it's a process if you go to uh yeah, it's interesting if you go to romans 12 and verse 3 okay verse 3 i say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as god has dealt to each one a measure of faith you know now this is a very in connection with this question the thing is that if you want to walk like god you need power you need power that is called grace you need power the only way you can receive that power is through faith by faith we stand in that grace so faith is through which we need to enter into the grace of god okay so the bible is saying be very sober very sober you don't jump from the ground onto the top of the ladder there are rungs yes there are rungs a lot of knowledge does not mean a lot of faith mm. absolutely a lot of knowledge does not mean a lot of faith so he says be very sober be very sober do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think but to think soberly you need to know the capacity of your faith yep. now you can increase your faith man can increase your faith but you should be always in english we use this proverb do not bite more than you can chew mm. 
more than you can chew. Okay? Because people confused in the kingdom of God, knowledge, no, the kingdom of God is knowledge dependent, but more than that, it is faith dependent. You can have a lot of knowledge and have very little faith. You can have very little knowledge and have more faith than the other person. More faith than the other person. Because it is faith that is ultimately going to determine your walk. Because God says, walk by faith. Walk by faith. Yes, for faith we need knowledge. But knowledge in itself does not automatically transform into faith. That is why the, the exercise is given. I, we used that illustration yesterday. That's why God uses this very simple illustrations which he says, if you eat a lot of food, what will happen? You will grow. But how will you grow? You will grow flabby. Yes. But if you were to ask that person to do some hard work in five minutes, he starts sweating and he has to sit down. He's tired because he has no strength. Hasn't he eaten? Yes. Why does he have no strength? Because he doesn't exercise. Mm -hmm. You take somebody else who doesn't eat like him, he doesn't seem to be so big, but he exercises regularly. You look at him, he has a lot of strength. He can, if you look at our daily workers over here, they don't look big and huge and all, but they can consistently work for eight hours. The simple question is, how can they work like that for eight hours? Because they exercise. They have their bodies are tuned through years of rigorous exercise. Their work itself is exercise. And therefore, they have a lot of strength. So that is why in the Bible it is said, it is not just that you need to eat. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then it says, walk by faith. Exercise your faith. Mm-hmm. If you don't exercise your faith, if you don't exercise your faith, you will have a lot of knowledge. But when you will have no strength. Yes. You will have the strength. And faith also is like is like trust. Okay. Now trust is a big word. Okay. Pastor, do you trust me? I would say it depends. I trust you with money, but I don't trust you to come on time. <laughs> okay. Now trust is a big word. Oh you trust me? Uh-huh. It's a very big word. It's a very, very big word. When you use the word trust, okay, it's a very big word, okay? Now the only one who can be trusted in every area is God. God can be trusted in every area because he is trustworthy. He, he cannot deny himself. That is why even when we are unfaithful, we are faithful. Now, if you are unfaithful, does not mean you are unfaithful in every area. Yes. You may be faithful in many areas and unfaithful in some areas. But if you are unfaithful in some areas, you are still unfaithful. Exactly. But God is faithful. Okay? <clears throat> so when you are talking about faith, Faith is into a huge tree. You see, when God says, my righteous shall live by faith. Live by faith. When he says live, if you take 24 hours of a day, take a life of a 20, how many areas of so many, I mean, so many areas come into that 24 hours? The simple question is, do you have the faith in every area? Hmm. Do you have the faith in every area? Some people may have faith in healing. Mm-hmm. But they may have no faith in finances. Some people have no faith when it comes to rest. Remember, all this is part of faith. <coughs> so, faith is also a big word. 
It's a huge word. And God is saying, you have to learn to bring faith into every aspect of life. That is how Jesus walked on earth. Like the interesting part of Jesus is that he's finished preaching, not finished preaching, he's finished, hasn't finished his ministry for that day, but he's heard in his spirit his father telling him, go to the other side. Because there's a demonic over there. Go to other side. But he's extremely tired. They get into the boat. He goes to the stern. He falls asleep. Okay, and there's a storm. And when there's a storm, you know, we know the story, what happened and everything. The thing is that when the disciples come and wake him up, he goes to sleep in faith. He yeah, wakes up in faith. faith to a completely different situation. Yeah. Not with sight. Yeah. So his faith is absolute in every area. When he went to sleep, it was calm. When he woke up, it is a storm. It doesn't ruffle him at all. At all. That is what the word is talking about, growing to that. It's not an easy process. It's a very disciplined process. Disciplined process over and over. Learning to hear, looking into the promise. That's where that, see, when you go to now, you go to Romans. A young child, I hope you're understanding it, okay? Second Peter chapter one and verse three and four. Okay? Three to four. Second Peter one, three and four. His divine power. Okay, what has what is given is his divine power. Let's call it grace. His divine power has given to us all things, not some things, not most things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. How do we know it? We know it through the knowledge of who God is. Yes. How does God? That's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is how the kingdom functions. When Jesus stepped onto earth, he showed us how does the kingdom function in flesh. Now go to verse 4. Okay. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. promises. Now, now we are using, we are talking about faith. You need faith for healing. You need faith for provision. But the promises are not the same. Yes. Promises are completely different. One may know because he is sick and he has been battling sickness and then he's searching the scriptures. He found all the promises of connected with healing. He started meditating. He believed. He confessed. He walked in it. Now he's healed and he's walking in his health. But he has no issues with finances because he makes a huge packet. But when the crisis hits, he loses his job and he does not have money to pay all that has been mortgaged. Suddenly he realizes, I am healthy, I have the promises of God, but I don't have the promises of God for provision. Everything that is connected with faith is connected with promises. Where do you have faith? Faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? Word. What is in the word of God that pertains to life? There are promises. So you need promises for everything. Every, every divine power has been given. Through his divine power, he has given to me everything connected with what? Life. I want to go into something over there in verse 2. Oh yeah, verse 3. Life and godliness. Now let me say that. There's somebody who is very, let us say, uh, insulated from the world. So he has learned to keep his needs very few, leads a very simple life. So his struggle is not with life on earth in terms of resources. His fight is with godliness. Now you need to realize, you need promises for godliness. How do you fight? 
How do you partake with our promises? How do you partake? Go to First Thessalonians chapter five, twenty-three and twenty-four. Twenty-three, twenty-four. Now may the God of peace Himself, He peace Himself, who God Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. This is a saint's battle. He realizes when the Lord comes, I have to be presented blameless, spotless, without blemish. Okay? And he really fights. But he's struggling and he says, Lord, how do I fight? God says, what are my promises? What are my promises? So you go start looking to promises that is connected with sanctification, with godliness. Because if you need anything from God, the power of God to achieve anything, that is grace, you need faith. And faith is based on the promises of God. So you go through the word of God and you can find promises of, this is where the logos becomes rhema. Mm -hmm. If you go to Genesis chapter 15, that is where the covenant is being made, right? A covenant is being made with uh, Abraham and and God is making, not Abraham asks this question, but God is making uh, a promise with Abraham. I want to look at one verse over there. Okay, one verse over there. That is, Uh, verse 12 and verse 17. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. What fell upon Abraham? Sleep. Abraham slept. He fell asleep. Just from God. From God. He fell asleep. In verse 17. It came to pass when the sun went down, it was dark and behold appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch. So God comes there as fire and passes between the pieces and makes a covenant with himself on behalf of Abraham. Right? So it should be between Abraham and God. But Abraham is asleep. But still the covenant is made so that when Abraham and his descendants fail, God will keep the covenant. So you look at that and you say, it's a promise. Mm -hmm. Lord, I am weak. I struggle with sanctification. I struggle with godliness. But I go back to the father of my faith. You made a covenant with him yourself. I am trusting you to hold me up. I cannot keep my part of the bargain. Hmm. I cannot, Lord, really. This is how faith comes. This is how faith comes. Lord, I am weak. Just like my father Abraham. You did not allow my father Abraham to walk between the pieces. You did not allow me to die on the cross. It is you who died on my behalf. I am as weak today as Abraham was. I am trusting in your strength each day to carry me through in this process. The question is, where does your faith come from? That God is the same. The God who made the covenant with Abraham in that dark night is the same God who made a covenant with me on the cross through Christ Jesus. So you see, this is how promises come. This is the walk of faith. And when we come, and you know, that's, that is the faith that pleases God. We were looking yesterday at two faiths, the living faith and the fighting faith. There's a living faith. The living faith magnifies and glorifies the righteousness of God. Honors God by the righteousness. That is Job, the faith of Job. He honors God's righteousness. And the Bible says something about this. He who honors me, I will honor. So God will intervene in the lives of people like Job, people like Noah, people like 
Daniel. This is a different intervention because this people in a very dark world is honoring God by their righteousness, which comes by faith. So when they are in trouble, God unilaterally intervenes. Did Daniel fast and pray and say, I bind the mouth of the lions? No, he didn't. God intervened unilaterally. Why? Because he's honoring him through a living faith and the righteousness of God is honored. But when Samson and all it, it's not a living faith. It's a fighting faith. Now that is not honoring the righteousness of God. It's honoring the power of God. I believe all things are possible with you. All things are possible with you. Nothing is impossible with you. And God says, I will honor that too. You have honored, magnified my power. So these two things are there. So when all these things come together, you need to understand, it helps us. Because the whole idea is that we are not going back to the law. The law will kill us. The law will. But the law will, the law's only purpose every time we hear it, this is the law, the law is holy, it will never change, is to bring us to Christ. When we come to Christ, what we realize is our weakness and his strength and his love. And we go to the promises. It actually works. I'm telling you, on a day-to-day basis, it actually works. That's what Paul says. When I am weak, then I am strong. But you need to be aware of your weakness and acknowledge God's strength. And how do you do? All these promises are there. His divine power has given all things pertaining to life. And we need these two things. We are living on planet Earth. Things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Unless God does anything. Let me honestly, this Christmas season, right? It's Christmas Eve, right? One of the bleakest Christmases ever. 200 million people are under a massive snowstorm in US. Europe is struggling with winter and power and Ukraine, Russia is, these are all Christian nations are under war. China, the one who supplies all the toys for Christmas, 220 million according to the data came from the government's reports that have come out, which I've been, I mean, uh, which is there on the news, around 230 million people have COVID. Okay. <laughs> so it's a very bleak times. Okay, very bleak times. And the Congress has passed a bill which will destroy future generations. In the midst of this bleakness, what is the light? It's faith. What is the light? Only light is a living faith, not the written word. The living word. The written word has been there for thousands of years. People held it and died in misery. Because it never became living for them. Everybody holds this. Holding this does not change your life. Does that become life for you? My words are spirit and life to those who receive them. When it becomes life, it changes. It changes. Okay, It changes. And that's what God is talking about. So yes, there is a struggle. But that is a process. God is taking you through ultimately uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 or 11. Okay. First Peter. Of this salvation, the prophecy is... Yeah, let's go to verse 8. Yeah, 8 and 9. Whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible, full of glory, 
and what are we receiving the end of your faith the salvation the salvation of soul soul mm-hmm. okay but remember mm-hmm. we our job is to go to him our job is to go to him okay go to hebrew 7:25 our job is to go to him we have to keep going to him therefore he is able to save how to the uttermost uttermost who those who come who? to him come to god you have to go to him you cannot try on your don't even try even the greatest saint shouldn't try on his own you will fail you cannot succeed on your own this you have to keep it doesn't matter doesn't matter how many that's why good paul peter asked how many times should i forgive my brother god says seven times 70 he's not giving a number he says any number of times you want forgiveness he's using a concept about forgiveness there how many times do you need mercy you can come as many times as you want to your father because you will need mercy all your life keep coming back keep coming back keep coming back keep coming back yes. why he's able to save you, you to the utmost only those who, who keep come coming never stop going to him never stop why Amen. what is he living now he always lives to make intercession for them always this is what his purpose is he's living to make intercession for us so that's how it works so we look at faith mm-hmm. and faith is a process it's a journey but you have to be on that road that's why he says a soul if it draws back my righteous shall walk by faith but if the righteous soul draws back he says that's hebrews 10:38 my soul won't be pleased with him god says i won't you don't draw back he says keep coming keep moving keep moving keep moving keep moving yeah. but you should know your measure of faith yes don't bite more mm. than you can chew yeah don't bite more than you can chew no okay because bible english language and all will use aim for the skies you will hit the stars and all but no you should know no there's no point i don't have energy for the sky but i have energy for the tree tops i know my measure of faith mm. okay okay now you don't want to you know your speed you don't want to compete with usain bolt No? you'll go insane <laughs> i mean you know you know yours okay you know yours there's no point you know should know you should know okay because a lot of things which are said uh, in the world sometimes we use it we ourselves use it in the full it's all based on self self confidence self self reliance self 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 and then when we have finished from the entire sermon on self god says cursed is the one who trusts himself <laughs> the whole thing has gone out of the window okay so we have to be very very careful okay very very careful because that's where jesus teaches us and one last words for this question hebrews 10 uh, or hebrews 5 and verse 7 in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him did you see that mm. if there was any person who should have walked self <laughs> it was christ but he was the most dependent person on his Man. father no. when he walked on earth every day begins by on his face before his father asking for help and the father was able to save him to the uttermost so no self reliance at all in anything though he was god he showed us the way this is the way jesus own life is the way he says don't depend upon yourself i am not a 
preacher, he says, I showed you a way, this is the way. And that's why the apostles learn. And they turn around and say that they gave themselves continually to prayer and to the word. We need to be absolutely dependent upon prayer. Is where you are absolutely dependent upon God. And word is where you are absolutely dependent from hearing from God. These two things go together. And you will see the apostles also learn the practice. Yes. Pastor, I think that's a question which will, I mean, the way you ended it, mm-hmm. we'll seamlessly go into the next question. This is question number four. We're talking about prayer and Jesus depending completely upon, I mean, depending upon his father through prayer. Why is it difficult for us as Christians to stay focused in prayer? Okay. <laughs> that's a question. Yeah. Uh, we are not 100% dedicated to praying. We are so distracted. We will answer calls while praying. We will leave in the middle of prayer. We will look around. Daniel chapter 9 verse 3, so I gave, I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. Daniel gave his attention to the Lord. Why can't we? Would you say we are not disciplined in our prayer life? On a lighter side, Daniel was able to pray like that because he did have a mobile phone. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it is not true. <laughs> the thing is that we need to understand is, uh, we need to have uh, what we call dedicated uh, times of prayer. Okay, dedicated times of prayer. We can't pray all the time. The only ones who can pray all the time. Okay, there are a few examples in the Bible. And Daniel is not an example. He prayed three times a day. And then there were seasons when he prayed. But Daniel is not an example. One of the primary examples in the Bible is Anna in the temple. Yes. One, she's a widow. Two, she has no children. Three, she has given her life over to prayer and fasting. Okay? So if you have been called to that and you have restricted yourself, let us say you are in a situation where somebody gives you a room to stay and say, I will feed you. All I ask from you is do what God has called you to do. Pray. Then you have that freedom to pray without distraction. Because all these other things are distractions. They are necessary distractions. Hannah used to pray. Um, not Hannah. Susanna Wesley yeah. used to pray. Yeah. yeah, but she had 18, 19 children. So when she prayed and she had a house, small little place, she had no prayer closet, nothing. She just put her apron above her head and the children all tiptoed around, knowing that mom was spending time with God. So we all have different other things to do. Even Jesus did not pray the whole day. He had a ministry starting early morning, going into late in the night. So he went up early in the morning, he prayed, and then he came and finished. And then certain periods he prayed through the night. But he's just not a person who, who prayed through the day. Okay, so one of the things that we have to have our priority, one of the ways I do it is that I know, like, if I wake up early in the morning, there are no distractions. Nobody, nobody wakes up in the morning in my house. Nobody wakes up in the morning, and neither is my mother and my wife, my mates. Nobody wakes up in the morning, so I am, I get sometimes two hours, three hours, four hours all alone before anybody wakes up. My wife, of course, she is late into the night praying, so I don't wake her up at all. Nobody wakes up, okay? So there's no distractions. No distractions. Nobody calls unless it's one of those very disturbed people, not our church. So they make it very clear there are other people from other churches who are going through psychological issues. So they may call at three or four in the morning and that's fine with them. And I will say everybody is sleeping in the house. Let us 
Okay, but nobody decides. No other call. Then only I will take the call, knowing that this is a real serious issue. But we have to make our personal. Then, when we come into a setting, when we come into a setting like we have prayer over here, like on a Monday morning, okay, prayer over there. One thing is that I have made it very clear that during that time, it doesn't matter who it is. During that time, do not call. Do not call. You have, we begin at nine, nine thirty. We finish roughly around eleven thirty, eleven twelve. Unless it's a real emergency, real emergency. Do not even that day when I took it because it was a maid calling who is in charge of my mother, and my mother is a serious thing. So I really panicked because my wife wasn't here. I was on the way. I was here. I actually thought, oh my God, did mom pass away? Why is she calling me? She has never called me. Okay, that's why I panicked and told Pastor Richard, take it, okay. Okay, but other than that, I wouldn't, I would say, you know, unless they will keep on disturbing and give it to somebody else. But we have to make this very clear so that people also know. Like, it's very clear. Like, to, to people around me, they're very, very clear. They will not call me during certain times. Because those are times that are set apart for God. So do not call. It's simply like you put on a hotel room where you're sleeping. Do not disturb you have to make it known to people. You know, to people. Not like even when mm, people who may need for household work and all. No, I, I always tell them, sir, I will call you. So don't call me before 11.30. After 11.30. Aha, uh-huh, yes. I said, don't call me before 11.30. After 11.30, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are priorities. God comes first. Don't call me. Don't call me. Okay, so if we make these things clear, what are we doing is that we are able to do things without distractions. But if we allow everybody to butt into our time, we are giving it to God. The problem is not with them. The problem is with us. We didn't tell them. Absolutely. We didn't tell them that this is the time. You cannot call me. There's nothing more important unless it's a literally a question of life and death. Then God also expects us to intervene. Yes. There was a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He got beaten up by the thieves. He's lying over there. The priest looked that way. The Levite looked that way. And God says, that's not a life and death. I expect you to interrupt. Yes, yes. Expect you to interrupt. Okay. So that priority is always there because God is the one who gave us those priorities. Okay. Yes. But when it is not all any of those things and all these things, okay, we tell people, you know what? Don't call me. If it's really, really serious, okay, fine. Once we have put those boundaries, fences around, okay, then we are able to pray, minister, whatever, better. Our time with God, whatever we give to God, that time to God, we have to put boundaries. Once we have put boundaries, you know, but these boundaries cannot be put for everybody. Like, we can because we are what we would say typically, we are full-time in ministry. So we can put boundaries. But Roshan cannot. Roshan is working for the government. No, Sammy is a student. He cannot put this, okay, at 10 o'clock he's supposed to be in university and I want to pray from 10 to 10.30. He cannot. God, even God will say don't pray during that time. Go to college. Okay, go to college, okay. But we are talking, you have to look, each one has to look into your own settings. What is your setting? What is your setting? 
in that setting, you have to define your priorities and give time to God where nobody will disturb you. But for people like us, since we are, like the apostles have said, given continually over to prayer and to the ministry of word, that is our primary and essentially that's our call. call. But even in that, there are times we have set, which is exclusively for God, like for us, uh, a Monday morning, uh, Wednesday morning, uh, Friday morning, then a Wednesday evening, a Thursday evening, a Saturday. Now, if somebody were to call, I wouldn't take the call. I wouldn't take the call. I mean, if it rings, I will look at it and I will put it away. But if I see the person who call would never call unless it is urgent, I will probably throw it at Sami and say, answer it and see what it is. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow it. You know, because we look at the people and we know this person would not disturb unless it was really, really serious. Unless it was a really, what we call, uh, Jerusalem to Jericho episode. It's a really serious issue. That's why they are interviewing. And that issue is directly connected with what you're doing now. That is the kingdom of God. So intervene. But otherwise, no. Once we do that, our prayer life becomes clear. So in Daniel's case, if you look at over there, Daniel is, is a very old man now. And he's a very senior satrap. It's a very senior satrap, okay? So he has the freedom to give two, three weeks for fasting and prayer. He has the freedom. He's putting it aside because he has so many people working under him. No, even Roshan has the freedom. If he has leave, he can take five days leave from his government. He says, I want five days leave. If he has to leave, and the government gives it to him. And he can go and tell Tabitha and all, I want you to manage five days. I want to, I'm taking a five-day retreat alone. I want to spend five days alone with God, seeking his face. Nobody is stopping him if he has it. So you need to understand, he's a government official, very high government official, but government officials also have privileges. And he's using that privilege and setting a time apart and he's praying. And those are things which we can do. But on a regular basis, you have to have dedicated times. And the best time like Jesus himself did, Jesus knew that. If he was seen in public, the crowds would come. Because by now, the word has gone out. What is it? This is a healer. We are not talking about today's world where there are hospitals and all kinds. Of, we are talking about where people are sick and there are really no physicians. And it's a healer who is healing anything and any kind of disease. So he knows he steps outside his front door, the crowds will start coming. But he needs to time, spend time with his father. So let's go to that verse. Mark 135, my favorite verse. <laughs> and now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Why? Why? Because he would not be disturbed. Either by his disciples who were fast asleep or by the crowds, all would be asleep. Okay. He went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Okay. Now we go to verse 36. We don't know how he prayed, but it can be definitely be sure he prayed for a long time because by the time it is daylight, others have woken up. Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, what is that? Everyone is looking for you. Did you see that? Yeah. First, he, if you go back to 35, first what he did is that, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to what? A, a place where nobody would find him. Nobody would find him. 
That's why they had to search for him for a long time. <laughs> they couldn't find him. Okay? Because he didn't want any kind of disturbance. Okay? Any kind of disturbance. He went to a place, it's probably a new place. It's not their regular place, a new place. So he found a solitary place and he's crying out to his father and probably a couple of hours or an hour or so has, daylight has broken, crowds have started coming and they're all asking the disciples, where is he, where is he, where is he, where is he? Now they are looking for him and they're looking, 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 looking. So he is very smart. He got some extra time to pray by going to a place where they did not know where he was. <laughs> Okay, so you look at it, but what is the whole focus of it? I want to spend time with my father. Because if I don't spend time with my father, if I were to come out, I'm useless. What do you want from me? Whatever I have to give you, I have to receive it from my father. Right? I have to receive it from my father. So you have to look at these patterns and decide, you know, that when we pray, we need to be... We need to be dedicated. But like, you know, we have our prayer over here. Of course, the kids and all come. I don't expect them to be dedicated and all that, you know, because they are students. But they come sometimes because they have nothing to do. Sometimes out of compulsions. But in this process, they're getting trained. I don't expect them to intercede. They don't even know what we are praying for, but they are being trained. They are being trained. These are things which you need to learn, disciplines which you need to learn. One day... When you're on your own feet, you will realize all these things matter. But the three of us, that is Pastor Vijay, me and Ma, we expect. Mm. Those are dedicated times we have given over. And we don't, we will not allow anything to intervene. Nothing is more important than that. Nothing is more important than that. And we make it over a period of time. We make it very, very clear, okay, that don't call 9.30 to 11.30 don't call while we are preaching. Don't call. When we are like, if you look at in church, nobody will call. Hmm. Nobody will say no. Nobody. Only if you get a call, it will be somebody who has no clue who you are who is calling. We don't even pick their call. Of course, this is there. This is what we call a necessary evil. <laughs> it's very useful. I mean, you cannot just throw it away. It's very, very useful. It's a very useful thing because you get information sometimes. Lo- most of much of it unnecessary and lot of it very very necessary very very necessary information you get within seconds you get very seconds and it really helps your spiritual life also to like one of the pastors whom i know senior pastor martin no? he had a heart attack he's in the icu in Guwahati. now if this was in there i wouldn't know hmm. How are they going to let me know? If they were to write a letter, first they need to know my address, how many days it takes. By the time, many times, by the let, by the time we get a letter in the old days, the patient was already dead. Funeral also was over. So this has its uses, even in your spiritual, even in your spiritual prayer life. This has its own uses, whether it's for an individual or about an event, no? You are praying for an event. If we did not get the news, let us let us uh, say the example of the Emancipation Proclamation. When Lincoln um, proclaimed, um, the proclamation was out that all the African Americans were set free, slavery was abolished, uh, or the Civil War was over. All these different things, slavery was abolished. You know how long it took 
for the whole so for the news for people to reach for the slaves to know they were free and the civil war is over general grant if i'm right leo grant has surrendered but fighting is still going on because they haven't reached the news intense battle <laughs> then suddenly horse rider comes and stops stop war is over why the news hasn't reached today you will receive it within seconds, seconds. So it has its own uses. It has its own uses. So we cannot negate it away. We cannot take it away. But we also have to see how do we use it the best way possible without aiding our spiritual life and without affecting our walk with God. Because all these things ultimately comes from God. Every perfect and good gift comes from God, the Father of there's no, there's no shadow of turning with him. The only thing we have to do is, how do I use it without it? Um, the Bible says in Ephesians, you know, be wise, you know, redeeming the time for the walk circumspectly. So all these things actually helps you to walk circumspectly. Because with these things, you can really save time. Really, really save time. Like I told my wife even yesterday, I told her, you know what, instead of praying with the same people, sometimes over the same things over and over, I said, do you know what I do? I said, you have to conserve your strength. I said, what I do is that I record a prayer and give it to them. And I said, do you know how many people go to work listening to that prayer? Otherwise, you know what they will do? They will call every day for prayer. Right? And usually, morning pastor, can you pray over me? Usually the prayer is the same. Unless you have a specific, a different kind of a request, it is the same. Right? Yeah, he's bringing... Okay. But I said, instead, do you know what I can do? I, I will record a prayer and send it to you. Okay? And you know what? They are comforted. Okay. Pastor prayed over me. Okay, It's the same pastor. It's not another pastor. He's prayed. Let me ask you this question. Isn't that what God did? What is Psalm 23? Oh, we are 21st century. We can rewrite Psalm 23 in a different way. No, you cannot different. It's the same prayer. Recorded. In scripture. In scripture. <laughs> it's the same prayer. Okay, It's not going to change. It's the same prayer. Okay, So you need to realize this has its own uses. It's own uses. Instead of becoming a distraction, it can really, really help you. Really, really, really help you. No? So you can use this and what happens is you conserve your time, you conserve your energy and you can use both time and energy which is in limited quantities every day and use it profitably for the kingdom work in other areas. So all this we need to realize. You know, The whole idea of all this technology is have to be more efficient. Exactly. Mm. Efficiency ultimately, if what is efficiency? You save time, you save energy. Mm. Otherwise, it's not efficient. It's not efficient. If you are spending more time on a new gadget, more time and more energy, power, petrol, whatever, it is not an efficient thing. <laughs> okay. So you look at all these things which God has given us in 21st century man. We need to ask ourselves. Are we more efficient? Are we more efficient? God has given us fridge. God has given us microwave. God has given us fridge and God has given microwave. Doesn't make you efficient. In my house, let me tell you, my lunch is cooked 
once a week. That's all. I said, that's all I need once a week. Because there's a fridge and there's a microwave. You don't have to go call me through the week. You don't have to go call me through the week. Because when it's time for my lunch, it takes me precisely five minutes to get my lunch ready. Five minutes. You know what? They have saved time. I have saved time. Mm. Why? God in his wisdom through men has given two things which is of enormous use for me. It's enormous thing. A fridge, a fridge. Good fridge, food remains cool. It doesn't go bad. It doesn't go bad. Don't put it out and let it go bad. It doesn't go bad. And I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm good. Okay? Because you need to realize what are you trying to do? Because time is running out. You're not growing younger. You're growing older. What is happening like the loaf of slice, the loaf of bread, the slices are finishing. Your life is coming lesser and lesser. You don't know how many days God has left for you. And you have only so much time. And you look at all the things which God has given you, you know what happens is efficiency. Okay, you need energy. You need time. How to be more efficient? I have my Bible over here. I know my Bible, okay? But sometimes you need one specific thing. Simple thing is go to the app and type search. You get it in a microsecond or you will spend 10 minutes looking, 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 looking. It is a very efficient thing for me hmm. because in the fraction of a second, I can find what I'm looking for in scripture instead of. Now, let us ask this question. 15 years ago, was that possible? No. no. So it has make us, made us more efficient, more efficient. So you have to look at everything that God has given. And I'm not tech savvy like any one of you. Okay. Tech savvy like any one of you. Let me honestly, honestly think about it, you know, because that's the whole idea, because we don't have time on our hands. We don't have time. The biggest casualty is going to be time. We do not have time on our hands to prepare for that one event, not for Christmas, for his second coming. Yep. That's the only thing that matters. We do not have the time that people think they have. We do not have the time. That's one thing God left without telling us that day and that hour no one knows no one knows okay so when we look at all these things we look at it and that's the most important part of your your daily life is the morning time you spend with god your prayer that part your time with god prayer of hearing from god speaking to god and your meditation of the word whichever way you want but i will not say reading of the word as important as it is, it's because of the people to whom I minister and millions, billions cannot read. I have two people in my house who cannot read, so I have to encourage them every evening when I speak to them in your language. I say, don't ever get dis- discouraged because uh, faith does not come from reading. Faith comes from hearing. And who you are is irrelevant for God. Absolutely irrelevant, God. If you choose to hear and faith arises, you too can fulfill God's purpose in your life. I said, who are you? You are two young maids here taking care of my mom. What are you doing? Basically, you are like a home nurse. Then I will go into my phone, go on to WhatsApp on DP and show. I said, do you see these girls? These girls are like you, your own community. Do you know where they are? So they are in Israel. Do you know what they are? 
they are home nurses. I said, there are things you can learn in this house. One, you can learn faith. Two, you can learn English. Can learn English. We all speak English. You can learn English. And you can turn out to be the best you can be in taking care of my mother. The physiotherapist is coming. Learn physiotherapy. Learn, learn, learn. And one day, when you have learned something, God will open a door. God will open a door. One of my kids I have never met, these are all online, wrote to me from Israel saying, Papa, the old Jewish uncle, he's 80, 90 old, he passed away, I was taking care of him. So now I'm coming back to India, I'm going to my home, and I've been in Israel for 10 years. 10 years. Okay? So you need to raise the awesomeness of God. That's what I tell them, the awesomeness of God. He said, faith comes from hearing, and hearing the word of God. I said, can you hear? Can you hear? When you hear, do you believe? If you believe, God says, all things are possible to him or her who believes. That's the key. That is the key. And then when you hear, you believe, you look and you realize, you know what? In my little setting over here, I can be the best. God wants me to be the best. And God, God's plans for everybody. See, ultimately the earthly life is irrelevant. What matters is, what will I be in heaven? It's not whether I'll go to heaven. That's already decided. What will I be in heaven? Okay. What will I be in heaven? That's the only thing that really matters because salvation is not in my hands. It's in his hands. He saved me. I am saved. Now, other side is in my hands in so many ways. And that is where these things come. And there, the prayer life is a very important part. Very important part. Your sanctification, your glorification, your prayer life is one of the most important components of it. When God talks about people like Elijah and Elijah, what do you know about Elijah? Another man I would say like Hannah, dedicated to prayer, was Elijah. Especially during the first three and a half years when he did not rain. What do you think he did? Just prayed. God said, you just pray. I'll get you meals twice a day. All you have to do is pray. In isolation, you are taken care of, your provisions will be provided, you go to Zarephath, you will be taken care of, you have been set apart to pray. And he prayed. Those kind of people, set apart to pray. But if you are called to a ministry of only prayer, I would say, like Paul, you should be a celibate. You should be a celibate, where there are no distractions. It is after a husband died, Anna became a praying woman. She could dedicate herself completely to fasting. Widows can stay in the outer ring of the temple. They'll be given. But she chose only probably to eat one meal a day. Because given given over to fasting. She realized, you know what? I don't want to get married. I have no children. I just want to give my life over to God. In what? I can't preach. I can't do anything. <laughs> you know? There's no proselytizing in the Jewish religion like that. I'm not going to go become an evangelist or anything. What can I do? I can pray. And she gave herself over to prayer. Even now today, in churches, there are people who have set themselves apart only to pray. Only to pray. But the rest of us, our prayer life should be with 
other duties. We have duties given by God, other responsibilities. But we put prayer at the top, a dis undistracted hour. Depending upon your time, if you are a night shift person, I wouldn't say you can't. You are working in the night shift. But today's world, but otherwise, learn from Jesus early in the morning. Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out, departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. You will see in the afternoon, when it was his time for prayer, Peter went to the rooftop. He learned from the master. He wanted a place where he would not be disturbed. He went to the rooftop. That's when he saw the vision, day vision of the sheet coming down. Okay, because they were used, still used to the old discipline of praying three times a day. So afternoon prayer, all, all people around, he went to the roof to pray. Okay, Daniel had a dedicated room to pray. He went to that room and opened the windows and he prayed. And they knew which room he used to pray, so they were watching. Okay, so that dedicated hours, it's not that he prayed through the day. He had it, because he had his civic duties too. But he had his prayer times too. So that's how it works. But you get your priorities right, it will all fall into place. And I would say, be efficient. Be efficient. Today I'm telling you, the gadgets that are invented, that God has given through man, should be a tremendous blessing for us. Tremendous blessing for us. It saves you time. Look at the automobiles. <laughs> John Wesley went 50,000 kilometers on horseback. <laughs> Imagine John Wesley lived in our time. You are gone from the world. <laughs> Today I mean 50 million kilometers on every airline possible. You know? But in his age, he was efficient. Yep. Slept for only four hours and he said, Yes. If he, if he yeah. slept for one more, more than yeah. one hour, you would feel guilty about it. Okay. <laughs> that is how it works. Okay. My wife's eldest sister. You think my wife prays, right? My elder sister got saved only a year or two back. She sleeps only three hours, four hours. My wife sleeps more than that. She prays and she prays and she prays. She wrote to me yesterday for yesterday also. I thanking God. All the days I wasted, years I wasted when I was a Catholic. I didn't realize I was in darkness. And then I get saved at 80. I have set my life aside for Christ. I will not waste my time. I tell my wife, she gives you a run for your money. <laughs> run for your money. <laughs> okay. So there are people, doesn't, okay, you came in late. You came in late, right? Moses came in late, 80 years he came in. 80 years, he's got only 120 years. Two thirds of your life is over. over. But the next 40 years, what do you say about that 40 years? Given over, over to God. God. Keep on over to God. He yeah. redeemed his time. Redeemed his time. Okay. So it's not it's not a question. See, you cannot help when you came to God. That is decided by God. There's a time it crossed. You came to God then. You had no control over it. Like all of us say, you know, we wish. But wishes are not going to change what is ordered. <laughs> we wish we were we saved early. We knew all that. But that's not that. But the question is. After you came to God, what are you doing? It's a simple thing. Yes, Pastor Vijay, let's go to the next question. Pastor, another struggling question. I mean, a lot of questions and struggles. Uh, this is question number five again. Um, it says, 
I think of the contrasts Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It is illuminating to set them in two lists and read straight down one list, then read down the other, and asks, uh, ask ourselves which, which described his own life. Mm-hmm. Handicapped, never frustrated. Puzzled, never in despair. Persecuted, never have to uh, stand, stand it alone. Knocked down, never knocked out. We know sorrow, yet our joy is inextinguishable. We have nothing to bless ourselves with, yet we bless many others with true riches. We are penniless, and yet in reality we have everything worth having. For Paul to have said that, Paul had to, had to suffer the loss of all things, ought to shake up our categories of what is worth living. Would you agree? Okay, now this is from Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. That's yeah. where he's talking about it. But again, like Romans 12, 3, okay? We don't have to go to Romans 12, 3, but if you go to Second Corinthians 4, 7. 7, 4, but 2 Corinthians 4, 4. 7. Okay, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life. Okay. Now, if you come over there, he's talking about two realities. If you go to verse 8, he's talking about two realities. One is your outward reality. What is the outward reality? We are hard-pressed on every side. One is your, it's a reality which you actually experience. It's a reality. Yeah. Hard pressed on every side. But the inward reality is we are not crushed. Now that is not true for everybody. Yeah. It will not be true unless you have exercised your faith and grown. This should be our reality. But this is not naturally everybody's reality. When he's saying that we are hard-pressed on every side and yet not crushed, he's, he's acknowledging one reality. What is that? We are being pressed from every side. So that is your reality. You're conscious in your soul about the outward reality. The pressure is intense. Pressure is intense. But he says there is a much more stronger pressure from inside which repels it. We are not crushed. Yeah. Crushed. Now, you need to realize that this is not everybody's reality because everybody is everybody is not growing. There are two realities in which people walk through. Either you are hard-pressed and you are crushed. That's it. That is the reality of most of the poor people, hard-pressed and crushed. Or you are, you don't face the pressure. Because you have compromised with the system. Because the pressure comes from the system. Yeah. Pressure is not coming from God. The pressure is coming from the system. Okay. The pressure is coming from the system. The system is going to put pressure on everyone who takes a stand for God. But you have made your peace with Babylon. <laughs> you have compromised. You have made your peace. Okay, So you don't face any pressure. Or, two, you are neither one neither two, you are three. Three is a different category of persons who has isolated himself. If you isolate yourself, also you don't face much pressure. Okay, The devil says, Paul I know. 
How does he know Paul? Because Paul is out there in the middle. He is not going to back off. He is. He knows he has been called. He is in the battle and he is not going to back off from any anything which God has called him. But a lot of people are there who have been called and they will not get into it. So they don't face any pressure. They won't face any pressure. They have no pressure. The pressure they are talking is natural pressure but they have no spiritual pressure in their lives. Spiritual pressure like... There are soldiers in Secunderabad cantonment. What pressure does he face? There are soldiers in Tawang and Galwan. What pressure? Aren't they both soldiers? Now, if this fellow wants to no pressure, tomorrow he gets the order saying you have been posted to Tawang, pressure immediately begins. What brought the pressure? Just a relocation. So if you relocate yourself in the kingdom of God, you will suddenly know what pressure is. Pressure is. But the problem is, in the kingdom of God, relocation is in your hands. God doesn't push anybody. Everybody, it's voluntary. Like even the notice I put in the church. We are going on a fasting and prayer. But it is voluntary. We can't. We can tell everybody. But how can can I come and check your house? Are you eating or not? (laughs) You fast are you? In In the kingdom of God, after everything, there is something that is Voluntary. After everything God has done, everything God has done for us. If you go to Romans 12, 1, he says, I am asking you, would you please, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, is you can never enumerate it. You cannot never, mercies of God are the blessings of God. Count your blessings, name them, name them one. It, you can never finish counting it. In the light of all the blessings of God, I beseech you, brethren, please voluntarily surrender. That's all God will say. He will not push you. He will not. So those who surrender face a different kind of pressure. That's Paul's pressure. Those who don't surrender, don't face that kind of pressure. <laughs> don't face that kind of pressure. Okay, Paul's pressure is a different kind of a pressure. Mm-hmm. Okay, James did not face that pressure. James was in Jerusalem. Did James face Peter's pressure? No. Did James face Paul's pressure? No. Why? Because he's in a very kosher church. All the believers are Jews. No issues at all. So many years later in Acts chapter 21, when James, Paul is coming into James and he's saying, all the brothers are saying, you are not a Jewish believer, all this thing, no. You go with them and do all the ups and he comes under authority and does it. Paul does it. Paul is not sanctioning it. But you will realize that James has not faced pressure. Though you are one of the senior persons in the church, you haven't grown like this rookie who just came years and years later. You, This man has grown because he is under pressure. Why? God has sent him to the Gentiles. Jew among the Gentiles. And everywhere you go, there are Jews and Gentiles. So he is under pressure. And he is Refusing to compromise. Let me ask you this question. Hard pressed by whom? By Jews. By Jews. And Gentiles. Both. Okay. If James were to relocate and God were to send James to Philippi, do you think the same James who is sitting in Jerusalem was suddenly transported into the prison in Philippi? Do you think you would sing? No. Because he hasn't learned to sing under pressure. Yeah. Hasn't learned to sing under pressure. So we can teach this thing to people, but you learn to sing as 
pressure comes into your life, you'll understand this. Okay, this is what I am supposed to do. This is what I am supposed to do. It is not that overnight Paul became. No, he didn't. He changed over a period of his learning and he's changing. He's learning and he's changing. So this is where we are hard-pressed. That's an outward reality. Why? Because that's the world you live in. When you take a stand for God, God says the world will hate you. Why? Because of me. But let me ask you this question. You go to a classroom. You sit there. You study for three years. Nobody knows you are a Christian. What pressure do you face? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> oh, religion is my private thing. Okay, Keep it private, God says. God says when you come there, that is also very private. I won't declare you to anybody. A lot of people, I'm not saying you need to be, you need to wear your faith on your sleeve and all. But if you really want to be a witness and that is how you start your day, you will always realize God will give you an opportunity. The question is when that window of opportunity comes, will you or will you not? God is not going to push you. But if you suddenly you realize Pressure has started. Pressure has started. Right? Pressure has begun over there. Pressure begins. Okay. Why did Joseph's pressure begin? Because he was a witness to his father's name. He saw what his brothers were doing. He said, you know, I will keep it very private. I will keep quiet. I don't want to offend my brothers. I don't want to offend my fathers. I'll be just be quiet. He wouldn't have faced any pressure. But the minute he stood out, he faced pressure. So you have these two things which are talking about. Mm. We are perplexed. But we are not in despair. You see, if you don't have the inside witness of the Holy Spirit, that is the Spirit of God has in the old inner man, the new man, the hidden person, the new person hasn't grown. These things won't be reality. Won't be reality. So sometimes you know what? God being very merciful, he keeps us away from all these realities and you will see I am so blessed. People don't even realize. What blessing is. What blessing is. <laughs> yes. what blessing. If you want to know blessing, what blessing is, read the Sermon on the Mount and you say, this is blessing. God said, this is blessing. This is what real blessing is. But those are all experiences. So when you look at it, we need to realize, first, we, like we said, first we need theory. Without theory, you cannot go to the lab. You need theory. So God has given us a theory. Then he put some people in the lab. First was his own son in the lab. We are leaving the Old Testament out. He went through the lab and he showed us, this is the theory, this is how you apply it. Then he looked at all the apostles and the first twelve, he says, they are all good men. But <laughs> to write scripture, <laughs> I need another man. Another man. We will never know in divine until we reach there. Why is it Paul and not any of the others who was primarily called? Okay, but you, why I'm saying this is this. If you look at Paul in the prison in Philippi, okay, this is very early, yeah. kind of in his ministry. First mission, yeah. He's 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 reacting that way. When you hear about John reacting like that. In the book of Revelation. I'm not saying he didn't, but I'm speaking about what we have of recorded history 
I was on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit. He's worshipping alone. He's a prisoner in an island. So what John is doing at the end of his life, a disciple who walked with Jesus, Paul is already practicing in the beginning of his life, a man who never walked with Jesus. Yeah. Walked with Jesus. So God is saying, he's not a respecter of persons. You have the theory. Have given everybody a measure of faith. Now, whether you increase it or not is in your hands. This is here. Teacher is there. And there are teachers outside. What are you going to do with it? Like I said, it's like the parable of the talents. Master called, gave each one one talent. In the same way, God gave everyone a measure of faith. Same measure for everyone. It is called saving faith. Everybody's faith, the saving faith is the same. Everybody was given saving faith. Now he said, increase. And when he comes back, the only thing the Son of Man is going to look for is faith. Yes. Faith. You <coughs> will always see Jesus commending faith. It's all either commending or says, Oh, your little faith, or great is your faith. And this has all got to do with faith. We don't realize this has got to do with faith. This is the battle. All those who are born of God overcomes the world. How do we overcome the world? By faith. This is overcoming. This is overcoming. Okay. It's not that outside reality is true. Persecuted. But not forsaken. By whom? By God. Was he forsaken by people? Yes. Was he forsaken by God? No. No. Never. The fact of the matter is we are also never forsaken by God. But we don't experience it. Because you're never persecuted. Because it's got nothing to do with us. It's got to do, do with him. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How can you? No, I he forsake you. What are you calling God a liar? He never leaves his children. He has never forsaken you or me. But the fact is that we have not grown in our faith. Therefore, we feel forsaken when he has not forsaken. We are not able to experience that reality. Yep. Reality, you know. This, this is where faith comes from. Faith. That's why Jesus said, have faith in God. In God means in whatever he has said. If he said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, I don't have to worry about it. He will not do it. He will not do it. He will not leave me, nor forsake me. Why? Because of who said it. The integrity of God, of what he has spoken. So, these are truths, yes. But, we have to grow into it. Okay, and pressures are different. The kind of pressure Paul faced. Paul didn't face. If you see, Paul will say in that place, you no, know, all that he went through and above on, on top of that or above all the weight of the churches. churches. But he did not have the weight of a family. Hmm. That is why he says in Corinthians 7, I wish all were like me. But each one has his gift. See, the weight of a family is different from another weight. I have a weight of a church, but I have a weight of a family. The weight of a family is very personal. The church is individual. You still are responsible for your lives. But I'm responsible for my family and I'm responsible for what I teach in the church. But I cannot come in and be personally responsible for your families because you yourself won't allow it. Exactly. So the weight of the churches and the weight of the family, so though he's going through everything, you need to understand one weight Paul never carries is the weight of a family. Never carries is the weight of a family. But he has other weights, the weight of the gospel put upon him. 
and on no man has the gospel the weight of the gospel been put upon like on him he says i have to go agabus comes and this is this is the way he says i know i have to go this has been compelled i cannot want to me if i don't preach the gospel so it's a huge weight and sometimes we look at people we do not understand no that china inland mission yeah hearts and tailor hearts and tailor and all the weight upon them they have no choice they wake up and they go have been sent to the china he almost went blind you know why because he tried to dye his hair black so that his white color would not be a block to the chinese his blonde hair or whatever colored hair he had so he you know paul says i am all things to all people so he is preaching a gospel he doesn't want the gospel to be a white man's gospel but god's gospel but the chinese man looks him as a white man so what did he do he tried to dye his hair in those days black he tried to dye his eyebrows and that thing got into his eyes he almost went blind in his zeal to preach the gospel and to see that there is nothing in me which becomes a barrier wow so that nobody would ever think this gospel is peculiar to this culture no it's a gospel for all cultures you need to realize to the lengths people went in every age to see the gospel to go across the gospel that's why i have issues with pastors wearing ties in 290% humility and in <laughs> india and all to the poor people you go over there what are you presenting to them whose gospel is this whose gospel is this and you come across you are changing the nature of the gospel because your congregation okay in us i can understand that's that's their culture that's imagine tomorrow is sunday okay let us say 100 people are sitting in the church and i come in i am the only one wearing a tie and you are all sitting there in your casuals the only thing that can either signify is that i am a pastor but other than that if i am using that to preach the gospel then the gospel will sound foreign to you it's my gospel not your gospel you cannot relate to that gospel you cannot that's what paul says i'm all things to all people you be able to relate to the gospel the gospel is for all man okay and when he does these things he faces pressure from the jews and the gentiles so in the book of galatians he's having a crisis because jews have come from jerusalem and as usual he's sitting down and eating with the gentiles which jews don't do and because these people hadn't come till then they looked at paul and everybody barnabas and peter and all are sitting and eating but when these jewish believers came them they started panicking because pressure is what will they think what will they think paul is a man who never thinks about jerusalem i am never going back to jerusalem i have no interest in jerusalem these people was all thinking we have to go back to jerusalem my wife is there i have to visit with relatives and all when i go back report will go peter sat with the gentiles and ate barnabas sat this man has cut off everything <laughs> you see how the mind works peter's family is in jerusalem is in uh, judea that area barnabas is also from all from those areas you need to realize they are all from that area so they are immediately thinking paul has no issues like that he won't think that way the pressure is on there and the buckle under the pressure now they are separating and making a different group and sitting and eating with the jewish believers and paul is sitting with the gentiles and sitting and he stands up and says what are you doing what are you doing okay you need to realize all kinds of pressure you face all kinds of pressure you face you know every even this country you face all kinds of pressure caste system is a pressure is a pressure 
Okay? And you have to face it. But you can face it only if instead, if you look at verse 7, the reason he says in verse 7. You know? We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and, and not of, of us. What is God putting him through pressure to prove to the world that Christ in you can handle it? Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. That's why pressure is put. Prove to the world Christ is an overcome. Another place he will say is Christ takes us in triumph in every place, every time. That is a pressure. I can stand. That is the pressure of righteous living. That is the pressure Noah is standing under. Standing. Daniel is standing under. Job is standing under. They are all standing under enormous pressure. And the pressure is change your testimony. Change your witness. Change, change. They refuse to change. They refuse. So, their testimony continues. That's how it works. The inward witness. And he will say later in 4, 16, 17, 18, even though the outward man is perishing. Why is he perishing? perishing. Okay. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. You're, do you remember that? My eyes, I don't know, donkeys years ago, I saw Ten Commandments. Do you know when Moses has an encounter with God, when yes. he comes down, his That's whole it. hair is gone white? Yes, yes. That's it. Have you seen people, pre presidents and all, when they get in and when they get out? And not Biden. He has no pressure. He doesn't even know what's happening. So he doesn't have pressure. But have you noticed other people, within four years, five years, they age? They age. Do you know why they age? Because of pressure. Yeah. The pressure at the top. The pressure. See, the actual pressure, if you are really ruling, if you are really ruling, I'm not talking about all of them, it's like an inverted pyramid. Jesus said, you should not be like the rulers of this world, which is the other way. The pressure is on the poor man. He is taxed, 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 and they sit at the top and enjoy. Okay? 8,400 crores is for two Indian aircrafts, A1. India won. Okay? 8,000. No, altogether it came to 11,000 crores for aircraft for our VVIP to travel whenever it goes globetrotting. Okay? 11,000 crores is the price of those two aircrafts. Everybody wants to imitate Air Force One, no? You need to understand, okay? The pressure. Okay? Where the pressure comes on the common man. Okay? But in the kingdom of God, it's the other way. The pressure is on the leadership. Enormous pressure. And that's what the pressure is taken by Jesus. Okay, So even on the last moment, he says, who did you come for? Me, he said, leave them alone. He says, you can go. And they'll leave. Okay, The pressure is. And Paul learns. Paul learns. The, so you know what happens when the pressure is on you? The outward man perishes. Mm -hmm. The outward man perishes. Okay, The pressure is. You age faster. You age faster. Though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed. Now, the issue is this. If the inward man is not being renewed, There's no point in you will crumble under pressure. pressure. Crumble under pressure. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this question. Can a ship go underwater? No. Mm -hmm. but can a submarine go? Yes. Why does it go? 
ക്രാഫ്റ്റ് Yeah. aircraft right so you need to realize if that thing is not there inside and if there is only pressure it will crumble mm. it will crumble under that pressure it cannot handle it people crumble and ultimate crumbling is that you know what judas walked with jesus for three and a half years but inside he did not have it to withstand the pressure finally when the pressure became too much and he died oh. okay the disciples cut and ran but when the holy spirit comes and they are filled with the holy spirit now this time pressure comes they go back and says you know what we need more, more boldness more to speak power and boldness to speak and you will realize these people have changed they got something inside because they are able to see eternal reality this is what they say for our light and affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory and we understand this in modern day also anybody who has excel whether it is messi or nadal and all we see them for on the football ground for 90 minutes or on a tennis court for a couple of hours but they go through rigorous training pressure all the time for that glory so he'll take the golden cup and millions come onto the streets and all but what when before that we do not realize yeah. in the same way we have to look at eternity god is saying you are going to eternal weight of glory is directly proportional to the pressure you can handle here actually on the, in the us open arthras stadium when the tennis players are going into the arena yeah. there's a placard by billy jean it says pressure is privilege <laughs> if you don't go pressure you can yes it says pressure is privilege we tell children everybody wants to be a great uh, musician but we tell them practice <laughs> <laughs> that is what they don't like practice 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 it's enormous pressure to wake up in the morning i mean let's look at jesus early in the whole his ministry tired out more preaching healing deliverance tired out early in the morning he rises up early in the morning he rises up why pressure is going to come from outside mm-hmm. and if you don't have something corresponding inside you will buckle under pressure wow. mm. it's a daily rigor you have to because this is not going to end this is not a four year fifa and mm. then you retire <laughs> in ministry there is no retirement yeah. no you don't retire you be able to handle pressure okay so that's how it is but you look at it the exceeding and eternal weight. weight of glory unlike fifa or any sports we are not in a compet- competition like that we are not competing with one another nobody competes with one another we are in a race where anyone and everyone can win yes that is a awesomeness of it at the end of the fifa only one country will win only one will make it ultimately okay but that's not the way in god's kingdom every child can make it 
you are running your race, but if you get into the race, please remember, he says, there is pressure. There is pressure. And to withstand that pressure, there are disciplines. There are disciplines. And the best thing you have, the best manual for it is Paul's letters to Timothy. That's a young man who cannot handle pressure. That's why yesterday's title is Fight Timothy. Fight. Right. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> a very good believer, but can, can't handle pressure. When pressure comes, he crumbles. So it's a beautiful manual for young people how to grow in the Lord and handle pressure. But you will. You read the book of Joshua, you will see how Joshua begins. A coward he is. Fearful. Hello, that's where God has to tell one man, be bold, be courageous, be bold. Be. We sing that song, but it's actually told to somebody else because he's so fearful. Okay, like I said, when he's fighting, always one side is leaves Moses' hands on. <laughs> Then one day he comes, God says, Moses is dead. That's it, God. Heart sinks. <laughs> And I have to fight. Who will pray for me? Moses is dead. But God says, I am with you. Hallelujah. It was not Moses. It was I who was Moses which gave you the strength. And I am still with you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. This is the condition. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. First to defeat falls on his faith. Talks like the rest of his old generation who died. Why did we come here? God says, shut up and get up. See? You see the pressure of leadership. Pressure of leadership is not shown when it is victory, it's when there is defeat. defeat. When he yeah, is defeated, defeat. he is just falls apart. Just like maybe even David also has the same issue, but he, he, but he comes it through. Comes yeah. through yeah. Falls apart. But God says, not do it. But then after that, boy, he Let changes. Let the sun okay. stop. <laughs> he is able to get his Hallelujah. thing and he becomes the real Joshua. No, that's what God is talking about. Mm. But no battles, no victory. Amen. Battles, no victory. We don't have to be like the American Indians in the old days, but you can count your scalps. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many of you understood what it was. <laughs> you all laughed. Do you I know, know what it I, is? I know. <laughs> when the Red Indians fought or they, when they, they massacred the, the whites, they put a knife and took the white man's scalp, scalp off and put it as their trophy. As their trophy. So you will <laughs> see in his wigwam so many heads of white men. Scalp alone. This thing with the skin and the hair. So you look at him, you will be considered if you have 20, you are a great warrior. You took 20 scalps. <laughs> and the white man on the other hand, he had notches on his on his gun. So if you need really saw a gunfighter, you look at the notches, you will know how many men he's, he's killed. <laughs> <laughs> Now we don't want scalps, you don't want notches. That is Louis Lamar, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That's all Louis Lamar. <laughs> Slap leather or eat crow. <laughs> I grew out a diet of that. <laughs> I think you should stop. Yes. Actually, you're having an allergy. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's this guy, what was his name? The short guy, John Wayne? Yeah, John Wayne. John yeah. Wayne, yeah. He's a short guy, right? Yeah. Who acts in the Western movies, John Wayne. Do you know he was the most decorated soldier in the Second World War? Oh. We think he was just an actor. He was one of the greatest Western actors, John Wayne, short guy. But when I read his biography, I found he was the most decorated soldier in the Second World War. So he was a real-life hero and a real 
life hero to be really, really but those healthy. days they really fought they, they because I, I remember people who were really really zealous for the cause yeah. and they were not they were they were thinking they're not going to qualify as to be a soldier because of their sight mm-hmm. they would memorize the entire chart they would go to the <laughs> and go to the testing <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine just to be yeah, conscripted to be just to, to fight, fight. today it's the other way around everybody wants the other way from the army <laughs> I was like stunned yes. to yes. zeal zeal love for God love for nation these things are imbibed into their culture all is gone <laughs> seriously but we love the Lord and we love his kingdom amen so we shall close you yes. want me to pray yes, please, 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 please. Okay. you got an allergy today. how did that happen <laughs> okay let's pray father we just thank you lord we just thank you thank you father thank you lord thank you everything help us to see in the light of eternity that one day we'll be able to say it was worth it yes for yes, my Lord, savior who held nothing back for me for his kingdom that is coming very soon little while the kingdoms of this world will become, will become the kingdom of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, That's the truth. That can never be denied. And everything that is happening around us is a sign that the kingdom is coming. Amen. Yes. Therefore, Lord, we will not lose heart. Hallelujah. You may not know what is happening around us, but deep inside we know whose we are. Amen. And we know where we are going. Yes, Lord. And nothing can take that us from us, O oh Lord. You did not birth us to a natural hope. You yes. birthed us into a living hope, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We commit everyone here into their hands all over the world listening. Pastor Vijay, touch him, heal him, Lord. And we commit tonight. If you tarry to come tonight, if you give us tomorrow, Sunday, Christmas Day, help us all to be in your house and rejoice in your presence and magnify your holy name, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.